back here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and across the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Oh, yes. Anything is better than Texas Motor Speedway. Oh, way better than Texas. Yeah. Way better than Texas. Which is how we start things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. According to Sports Business Journal's Brett McCormick, the big Haas TV video board at Texas Motor Speedway is undergoing a multi-million dollar renovation. It was initially unveiled in March of 2014 and received certification from the Guinness Book of World Records on April 6th of 2014 as the largest HD LED video board and is now undergoing a renovation once again. What, so people can see bad racing? That's exactly what we're doing? We're going to torture people there? I mean, I guess if you already bought tickets to the event at Texas, you're already a glutton for punishment, so why not just go a little bit further in that particular direction? But we're going to waste plenty of dollar, dollar bills, y'all. On that decision, here's another idea. I'll throw this one out there. Why not flip Atlanta back, and instead of having it be a tapered spacer track, have it be a regular speedway? And... We've seen these current mile-and-a-half tracks like Atlanta race much better. And then, wait for it, turn Texas into the super speedway with tapered spacers. Heck, it may be manufactured excitement, but trust me, and you can clearly admit this is true as well, even if you're in denial, manufactured excitement at Texas would be much better than anything. That track is delivered. It might actually make it worthwhile to look at that massive video board as opposed to being an eyesore that delivers the pain of watching stuff at Texas. Oh, way better than Texas. Yeah. Way better than Texas. Bubba Wallace hitting the nail on the head once again with that one. Speaking of NASCAR. Number four. According to Sports Business Journal's Adam Stern, Joe Gibbs Racing is confident that its competition side will be strong for years to come, but it has needed help in shoring up the business side, which has become one of the big challenges and frankly, one of the reasons many people believe that Denny Hamlin may be a little bit late in getting that contract finalized with Joe Gibbs Racing. Now, both parties remain adamant that that's the case, but Gibbs went on record saying, quote, people want more for less and selling a $2 million sponsorship takes just as much time as a $10 million deal, end quote. And that's the crux of where we are right now in NASCAR, that that is the untold reality that they want that, they want the added attention, and that is a major challenge for national for national businesses to compensate NASCAR for what it costs to formulate a team. That's why more people in motorsports, as far as owners are concerned, and investors as well, are looking to get their teeth into the television money because they need that dollar, dollar bills, y'all, to supplement the offsetted loss of sponsorship and by the way you'll notice this with most teams rather than just having one primary sponsor the entire year oftentimes and you've seen this with denny hamlin martin truex jr and others multiple sponsors on the hood and sides of the car on a given weekend because of the expenses that it entails and incurs number three speaking of this by the way in silly season in nascar a kudos to your colleagues trey at frontstretch.com Eric Almirola likely to announce his retirement full-time by the start of the playoffs, leaving the number 10 wide open within the four-car organization. Is this the spot where Zane Smith ends up landing? Just curious, Trey, because 
the thought was he might go to front row race or front front row motorsports. They had the option on him, like they, they did with McDowell and Gilliland. They did, but McDowell obviously had the dominating performance and has really run well throughout this year. Gilliland has surpassed expectations. Zane Smith is the more exciting young driver, but when you couple the fact that there's no opening where Zane Smith is racing in the Xfinity with him being a Ford driver and now Ford likely losing one of their other drivers in Eric Almarola. Not great results, but great sponsorship that it clearly creates an opening. Do you see the path trade that Zane Smith may end up getting the call up? Yeah, after the front road news, which was kind of like they actually ironically held all the cars being that mid-major team uh, with the options on the three, you know, Ford, quote-unquote, Ford prospects. I don't consider McDowell a prospect at 30, you know, 38 years old, but he is considering he could take a step up. But yeah, it, it seems like Zane Smith's ride. Um, I wouldn't be shocked because Josh Berry at first was a shocking name, but it kind of made sense as the process went on. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see a surprising name, but it, it seems all lined up for Zane to get into the 10 car. Number two. Speaking of monetary decisions that are out there, the NFL has made an ambitious direct-to-consumer move, making its NFL Network channel available direct-to-consumer, which is something it previously had not offered. That's because if anybody can command the dollar, dollar bills, y'all, to get that money for themselves, it's the NFL. I don't have a problem with this decision at all. Um, We're seeing more of a direct-to-consumer path. I think, again, we'll see the bubble burst in some fashion in terms of just how much people are willing to pay because previously there was a lot of supplemental income that went to organizations because of the extra finances that came out uh, from cable bundles and direct TV packages. Now that everything goes direct to consumer, networks have fewer money or less money, fewer dollar-dollar bills, y'all, to allocate, which creates its own challenge and concern. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. It would not be in addition to the fast lane if we didn't mention that speaking of dollar dollar bills y'all the colorado buffaloes are now one of the hottest brands in sports ahead of Deion sanders debut yes that's right coach prime's addition to the colorado buffaloes have caused merchandise sales to increase by more than 100 compared to the same period last year Not a shock at all. That is why he was brought to Colorado, in part because of that, in part because of the belief that he could help them win. And yes, the fact that people are gravitating toward this program with some level of interest is indicative of that, including in merchandise sales. And there is your Fast Five at five Well, much of what we discussed in the Fast Lane is looking ahead to NASCAR beyond this season but it has been shaped by this season including the idea of zane smith maybe going over to stuart haas racing with the with the departure likely of eric almarola did you say tony stewart going to stuart haas racing no zane smith going okay. to stuart haas racing i was about to say I was, I was like am i going crazy if i missed it at me fast lane ed lane because i thought you said tony stewart going to stewart haas racing I, look if i if that slipped out please at me not at trey law vt but at fast our lane, guest ed heard lane. that if yes. you did or not so. well he can bring that up but the reason we bring in josh sims to talk plenty of nascar here in the fast lane is he has a pit reporter for nascar on fox is in part tied to those developments in the garage and what they mean going forward because of what we saw this past weekend with michael mcdowell getting the victory lane and this was not a late pass of the daytona 500 as exciting as that win was this was an absolutely dominant performance for a driver and team that had been on the upward trajectory but josh did you 
see this type of performance coming from Michael McDowell, where he not only got to victory lane, but did so in dominating fashion at the road course at Indy this past weekend? Yeah, guys, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, but yeah, the, the, the big thing with Michael McDowell is he's been really good on these road courses, especially as of late. He just hadn't broke through yet, but if you look at his numbers, he was always one of the guys we circled heading to these road course races. Uh, just up there, obviously, with your Chases and, and your Larson and even your Almondingers. He had been knocking on the door. Now, did we see him winning in dominant fashion like he did this weekend? I wouldn't say that much, but I, I felt like when you had that list of guys that you figured were run in the top 10, he had to be on your list. Now, the win, that was really impressive because they were arguably the best car all day. To see him go out there and dominate the way he did in Indy, that was the most impressive thing about it. But this is a guy that you look at him putting it together all around. I mean, he was in position to almost point his way into the playoffs without even getting a win. So he's had a really solid season. I heard you guys talk about the fact that he'll be back next year with front row and a lot of that has to be attributed to just how much of a complete racer McDowell has become and he capped it off with the win this weekend. Yeah you brought up that point of being a complete racer and the fact that yes we've seen dominant organizations like Hendrick and Joe Gibbs flex them their muscles quite a bit this year with guys like Martin Trucks Jr. and Denny Hamlin as well as Kyle Larson and William Byron uh, a fan of many in our area because of his ties to Liberty University but are we still seeing the fact that this next gen car for NASCAR has created enough level of parity where on any given weekend you can get the Michael McDowell performance or Chris Busher and uh, Roush Fenway Keselowski racing can rise up much the same way that 2311 and Trackhouse have done and now you've got more teams that are at least competing for high finishes and in some cases positioning themselves to get to victory lane. Yeah, that yeah, and I think you hit on it right there. We we see kind of these ebbs and flows where, you know, you, you look back a couple of seasons ago before they switched to the next-gen car, and you have a guy like Kyle Larson go out and win 10 races on route to the championship, or a couple of years before that when it's Harvick and Denny winning close to 10, if not 10 races in that season. And you're just not seeing that anymore. You have a lot more parity with this new car. How long that will last, that's to be determined. You know, there's going to be a matter of time before the bigger name teams, I would imagine, figure it out and, and rattle off those seasons where they get upwards of five to ten wins again. But maybe this car has leveled the playing field where we won't see that. And we continue to see a season like where we see this year and next year where we see a number of different teams getting victories. And you see different pockets during the season where William Byron, like you mentioned, comes out hot and gets all these wins. And then next thing you know, Chris Buescher rattles off a couple wins. And then Kyle Larson gets hot. And then right now you see RFK get hot and and I think that's a big thing with this car right now is, is the level of parity is at least stayed through this season so far to the point where you have this many winners. And uh, you kind of hope that's the way it is because it, it is more exciting for, for NASCAR fans and you see more different drivers and teams having a shot during the season to get wins and get their way into the playoffs. FS1 tomorrow night, that's Wednesday night at 6 p.m. for NASCAR Race Hub, is where you can get even more of Josh Sims' insight along with Josh R. Sims. His Twitter handle is Josh Sims, the NASCAR on Fox pit reporter and NASCAR Race Hub host, is with us here in the fast lane looking at where we are right now. Uh, what about Ford as an organization? A couple of weeks ago, we in the fast lane expressed speculation 
express skepticism that they would be able to right the ship. And of course, as soon as those words slipped out of our <laughs> lips, they rattle off three victories in a row with not necessarily the biggest name drivers doing it. And Chris Buescher twice, and now Michael McDowell have the Ford cars all of a sudden found something that could propel them to a playoff push. Yeah, I think they want you guys to keep talking about them and doubting them, right? So they can continue this streak they're on right now. But it, it really is interesting, you know, to see that. Because I remember on Race Hub, we were talking about just, you know, before Chris Buescher rattled off those wins, just the struggles of Ford. And you look at it and you're like, all right, well, you know, Blaney had a win and Logano had a win. And that was about it. And you're wondering what's going to happen. Will these Ford drivers be able to keep up with, with what Toyota and Chevy are doing? And then all of a sudden we get to this point in August and, and you get those back-to-back wins from from Busher and then you get the win from McDowell. Um, it, we'll, we'll have to see how things look going forward. You know, obviously you get those wins from McDowell who's shown he can compete at any type of track. And then you have McDowell uh, from uh, Busher, that is, and then you have McDowell who, you know, obviously got it done on a road course. But now it's a matter of seeing if the others can step up, if Penske can come back as strong as they've been in years past, if some of the other drivers with Ford can step up as well and do what the other teams have done when you see Toyota have multiple different winners or Chevy have multiple different winners. So it, it's to be seen what, what it looks like going forward for Ford. But right now they're, they're red hot. Let's see if they can keep it going. Back to the Michael McDowell win and what it means going forward. And this may be a topic that uh, Josh Sims covers with his colleagues on NASCAR Race Hub, 6 p.m. Wednesday evening on FS1. And that is the pressure that may be applied to those other bubble drivers who are on that bubble for the NASCAR playoffs now with just two races to go and the fact that you could get a bit of a surprise winner at uh, Watkins Glen and we know Daytona produces those regularly as that's the regular season finale. Does the McDowell win change the tenor within NASCAR especially for bubble drivers maybe shifting from the points mindset itself to hey let's get to victory lane and shuffle this thing up and uh, punch our own ticket. Yeah, man, it's it's really interesting around the bubble, especially with how the regular season finishes up right now because, you know, McDowell getting the win really puts the pressure on Bubba Wallace, who is about, I think, 28 points above the cut right now, and he's he'll say it himself, he's not good at road courses. So you look at this weekend coming up as almost a wash for him, and he has to put basically all his eggs in the basket of, of a solid points day and then looking ahead to Daytona. And uh, we know anything can really happen at Daytona, but we also know Bubba is really good on, on super speedways. But then you look at a guy like Daniel Suarez, who's probably licking his chops because he's a really good road course racer. Third place finish, won the pole at Indy, has to be looking forward to Watkins Glen this weekend because another road course for him. And then you look at a guy like Chase Elliott, who seems like maybe he's finally getting there and he might be too far out on points to actually point his way in. But you can't tell me Chase Elliott can't go anywhere and get a win. So it's really interesting about around the bubble. And even a guy like you know Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski, who have a good cushion, have to feel uneasy because if you get two new winners – one of them is looking to be on on the outs then. So it's really interesting around the bubble. It feels like anything can kind of happen with these two races, and it doesn't feel like any of those guys can feel really comfortable. There's guys that can say, like, hey, these are, these are some races that play into my favor, and I think a guy like Suarez or Chase Elliott can say that, but, but you can't really feel comfortable if you're around that bubble right now. Josh, building on that, how much does that put even more unease 
on guys that are on the top half of that bubble on points, but if you get two winners, it might push them out, and you might get a situation like last year where no one thought Martin Truex Jr. would miss out on the playoffs, and voila, we're sitting there at the end of Daytona, and he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, it it really does. You know, I mean, uh, we talk about how Daytona is one of those races where anything could happen and you could easily get a new winner. Remember last year, Austin Dillon got the win, booked his way into the playoffs and bumped somebody out when he wasn't really going to be in based off of points. You know, that could easily happen with with a a number of different drivers. I mean, uh, look at a guy like Austin Sindrick, who who finished runner-up at Daytona in the second race last year. We know he won the Daytona 500. So any of those guys that aren't even in the bubble mix right now could come up and win. And and this weekend, you know, you you never know what might happen because Suarez is on the outside looking in right now. Suarez could easily get a win at Watkins Glen, and that could be two different winners that has a guy like, I mentioned Kevin Harvick or Brad Kozlowski right now really sweating, even though they have that cushion. So it, it really is interesting because I don't think any of those guys, no matter what their cushion to the point line, can really feel safe because one bad race and, you know, you can be on the outlook. And not even to mention a guy like the, the rookie Ty Gibbs. I mean, he's a guy that's been pretty consistent all year, and, you know, he's a good road course racer. Uh, He's a guy that's won a lot of the Xfinity Series. He's shown he can compete at this level. If he puts a race together, there's no telling what that kid can do as well. So it's really exciting, if you ask me. Josh, you really had to mention Ty Gibbs. You really, come on. (laughs) This this guy. Hey, man, he's a bubble driver. I had to throw it in there. You know, there are some Ty Gibbs fans out there that are like, hey, man, what about Ty Gibbs? Your list speak for everybody, you know. Well, one is in our studio who picks him every week. <laughs> you know, it's just so, it's one of those things I just can't quit, Josh. It's just the reality of it. Um, so we'll put you on the spot then to help me out right here because we have our votes of confidence on Friday, which are worth about as much as a vote of confidence. Hence, why we have the name "Votes of Confidence" for our weekend projections. <laughs> NASCAR at Watkins Glen this weekend. How does it unfold, and what is the picture looking like in a week as you have NASCAR Race Hub next Wednesday at 6 p.m., looking ahead to that regular season finale at Daytona? Yeah, man, I I have this feeling, and I'll probably be wrong because I'm usually wrong with this stuff, but um, I think Chase Elliott gets it done at Watkins Glen. I mean, he, he's such a good road course racer. He really came alive at Indy. He hasn't won a road course race yet in the next-gen car, which is interesting. Um, but, I mean, it, it, we're going to have the playoffs without NASCAR's most popular driver. I, I don't see that happen. So I think Chase gets it done this weekend, which puts all the pressure on Daytona next week, which I think will be really fun um, and stressful for a lot of people. But if you ask me how things play out, I think it's Chase Elliott getting a little revenge, especially if you watch what happened last year where Chase was so good and then he had that little off that final restart. He gets in kind of into it with his teammate Kyle Larson. Larson breaks lock up, knocks Chase out of the lead, and then Chase had to settle for fourth. And we know how unhappy, whether they were going to tell us or not, uh, Chase had to be after that happened. So. I'm going with a little revenge factor this weekend. Chase Elliott in victory lane. Well, that would make a lot of NASCAR fans out there. He's just contradicting me completely. He picks Ty Gibbs, (laughs) and I'm the one who's been on the Chase Chase Elliott's not making the playoff manner. I don't know what's going on with you, Josh. Like, Come on, man. Like, Help me out. 
Yes. Well, apparently so. So anyway, Josh Sims with us in the fast lane. That will do it for our chat with him today. We'll try to reconnect with him again in the future, but that was going to wrap it up anyway. Because when we return, we will... One of my favorite, of course, segues. Shift gears! And we will talk UVA football. A man who is going to hold me accountable in some form. Ahmad Hawkins, former Virginia wide receiver, now a sideline reporter and pre- and post-game host for WINA. With us next in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.